Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. You're listening to the Qalam Podcast. Qalam is an organization that is dedicated to making Islamic knowledge accessible to everyone. Alhamdulillah, Qalam has been able to serve so many people all across the world in so many ways. And now, Qalam has the opportunity and the ability to take its work to the next level. Qalam now has the ability to expand its offerings to people all across the world in so many different ways. Qalam is acquiring a campus, a home, where we can continue to do the work that we do and in fact increase what we do. But we need your help, we need your support to make that dream a reality. Go to qalamcampus.com and donate generously. Every single person listening to this podcast benefiting from Qalam, I need you to go there and donate and share that link far and wide and let's all of us come together, invest into our sadaqah jariyah and take this work to the next level. Jazakumullahu khairan. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Now enjoy the podcast. Bismillah walhamdulillah. Wassalatu wassalam ala rasulillah. Wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wa Allahumma inna nas'aluka hubbak wa hubba man yuhibbak wa hubba amalin yuqarribuna ila hubbak ya arhamar rahimin. Ya Allah, we ask you for your love. We ask you for the love of those actions that will gain your love. And we ask you for the love of those people that you love, Ya Arhamur Rahimin. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make this a gathering of good, beneficial knowledge for us that inspires and, and motivates us to righteous actions. But most importantly, it corrects our understanding of Allah and corrects our understanding of the Rasul Sallallahu um, So, you know, we've been doing this, this halaqa for about 37 sessions. This is our 37th session. Uh, but uh, it kind of feels new, it feels fresh, it feels different. So alhamdulillah, thank you everyone for joining us and we ask Allah to give us istiqamah on good deeds. Uh, that's the main thing, if Allah can allow us to have istiqamah. Istiqamah means you're able to just keep doing righteousness, keep doing righteousness. And the best thing in order to enable you to keep doing righteousness is just to be around good people. Uh, because you synchronize with them and you're motivated by them and when you're feeling weak their energy keeps you going So may Allah always keep us amongst the uh, righteous people inshallah Okay, so we're continuing Imam Muhasibi's Risalat al-Mustarshideen a letter for those seeking guidance um, And for those if this is your first session um, Imam what he does in this book is he drops gems of knowledge that are kind of disconnected but each one of them is so heavy that alone they're just such deep guidance for us um, and so today's lesson is really heavy I'm gonna start right jump right into what the Imam says Imam he says Bismillah he says beware uh, actually um, I have to back up he says, and receive all the blessings of Allah. This is his advice. Receive tanawul ni'am Allah. Receive all the blessings of Allah. Bil fahmi, with understanding. With understanding. What he's trying to tell us here is that the first thing you need to understand is when blessings come, you need to have the ability to see blessings as blessings. A lot of times Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is throwing blessings at us, but because we expect it a certain way, we're not able to recognize that as a blessing. So therefore we miss out on the blessing because, Ya Allah, I was expecting it to come this way and it came low-key this way. And so the first thing that he says is, be able to have knowledge of the blessings when they're coming to you. 
And um, there's a really good book that talks about trials and tribulations. And the author of that, that book, he says something that has always stuck with me. He says, how many blessings are there that come wrapped up in difficulty? How many blessings come? They're completely surrounded. From however you look at it, you're like, this is not good for me. But when it, when it comes, when you accept it as it is, then you realize there's such an amazing blessing in that thing. So the very first thing is we need to be able to recognize blessings when they come. And what that means is when a situation comes, you ask Allah for the good of it. You don't immediately assume that there's not going to be good in this for you. You're gonna be, you have to be able to see that blessing. But he also says in this, he says, again, the same statement. Receive the blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with understanding what is incumbent upon you when the blessings come. Let me say that one more time. Receive the blessings with understanding also means that when they come to you, you need to know what your reaction should be to that blessing. How do I respond to that? What's the response that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants from me? And so there's a few responses. The first response, the very first response, a man once came to the Prophet Now, you have to put it in context. The Prophet is always teaching this humility concept. Like, be humble, be low-key, don't, don't be proud, don't be arrogant. So there's this one Sahabi, he must have liked Jordans or something, because he comes to the Prophet and he's like, Ya Rasulullah, a man loves to have nice shoes and nice, nice clothes. Is this, is this kibber? Is this arrogance? You know, and you can imagine, he must have been really shy, you know, to come and ask this question to the Prophet and the Prophet said him, he, he looked at him and he said, no, in Allah, in the, is this arrogance? The Prophet said him, he said, no, this isn't arrogance. What arrogance is, is when you belittle people and you reject the truth. Other than that, you're good. So having good things is a beautiful thing. But what we need to realize from the blessings is never hide the blessings of Allah upon you. What do I mean by that? Man comes to the Prophet Sallallahu He's wearing tattered clothes. He doesn't look like in good shape. The prophet looks at him and he's like, do you have money, young man? And the man, he goes, yes, I have money. He goes, what type of money do you have? He goes, oh, I got camels, I got cows, I got goats, I got all types of money. So the prophet said, and this is heavy, Indeed, God loves to see the sign of his blessing upon you. So what I'm, what I'm trying to say is a lot of us, the blessings are coming and we're hiding them. We're hiding them. But the Prophet ﷺ taught something different where, no, Allah loves for you to show the blessings that he's given to you. He loves for you to show those blessings and let those blessings be seen. So you got some new, new threads, man? Yo, I went and got this J-Dot joint right here. Y'all don't know about J-Dot. Okay, cool. I told wifey I'm rocking this. She's like, all right, whatever. Just read your cools before you go up there. Just joking. No, but it's, it's beautiful. Think, Allah gives us beautiful things. Allah loves to see that on us. So the first thing is, Speak about the blessings of Allah. Speak about them. We get really shy, especially in our communities when we have so much ayn thing, like from our culture, there's so much hasad and ayn. Oh, don't tell anyone, da, 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 da. No, there's also a side where show the blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You, you got the money, yo, you that Tesla, yo, roll up, pull up. You know what I mean? Show the blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The other thing, 
when it comes to recognizing the blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, again, is realizing that the only real way you know if something is a blessing or a punishment is your reaction to it. So when that thing comes to you, here's the default. If it brings you closer to Allah, blessing. Pushes you away from Allah, that wasn't a blessing. That's the main thing we're looking at when these things come to us. Uh, and that's why the scholars, they say there's so many hardships that are actually truly blessings for us. So what does he say? So receive, grab, hold on to the blessings of Allah with understanding. Hold on to them. And then give it back to God. Wait, give what back to God? Give the blessings back? How do I give the blessings back to Allah? By always praising Allah and being grateful for the blessing. Meaning praising Allah. Alhamdulillah, this is from Allah. Alhamdulillah, this is from Allah. Alhamdulillah, this is from Allah. If we do that, then we've given it back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that's all he wanted from us. There's a very powerful hadith that the one who eats, and we just got out of Ramadan, so we know what it's like to go a whole day without eating. The, the Prophet ﷺ in this hadith, he said, the one that is eating food but is grateful is equal in reward to the one who's fasting all day and is patient. That's how heavy gratitude is. And it's just, alhamdulillah, that deep recognition that it's all from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that's his first advice. Receive the blessings of Allah with understanding of them. Understanding what? That I must be grateful for them and understanding that I may not recognize it when it first comes because it's not always in the way that I expect it to come. And the second thing is let my blessings show. Let my blessings show. I don't have to hide the blessings. In fact, Allah loves for me to show the blessings that I have. Next advice of Imam Muhasibi. Imam Muhasibi, he says, Wahdar min iham nafs bi maqamat very heavy advice. He says, watch out for the deception of your own soul, your, your own nafs, your own inner self. Watch out for the deception inside. Where can that come from? By seeing your own position. Okay, so this is interesting. What he's trying to teach us is this. As you become a better Muslim, as you start to pray more, you start to fast more, you start to read Quran more, you start to do all these actions that please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What can happen is you start to see your own good. You start to see how good you've become. And he uses the words, he says, be wary of the deception of the soul that comes by seeing your own goodness. So what does this mean? What it means is, don't self-deceive yourself. Don't be, delude yourself about where you're at. If we look at Iblis, where did the fall come? The fall came when he looked at his own position and he's like, this is where I'm supposed to be. And Allah didn't recognize that position and respect that position. This is where I should have been, but I'm not there. So the, the thing he's trying to teach us is don't be deluded by seeing your own position. And now what's the cure? Here's the cure. Say you're starting to go higher. And this, by the way, this applies to everything in life. Wherever you're excelling in life, don't be fooled by looking at your own progress because that's when you stop making progress. The moment you start being deluded about your progress, on this, on that, that's when you stop making progress. I was reading a study that was explaining why do we, why do we uh, fall into self-delusion? 
And some, there's so many studies, it's absolutely mind-blowing, that show like one of the reasons we start to drink our own Kool-Aid, as I call it, is because it feels good. It feels really good to like look at where I'm at, my position. It makes me feel really good. And the other reason is because we want other people to think that about us, so we got to convince ourselves about that thing. So in order for other people to actually hold me at this level that I think I, that I know I'm supposed to be at, I got to start thinking I'm supposed to be there. But that's not the way of the prophet, so I said them. The prophet was the humblest of people, sat on the floor when he ate, like humble in every regard, in the Sahaba as well. So the concept here is never ever look, to your, look at your position. Where am I? My position. Now, Say you have been given position. Say you are making progress in your religion. You are becoming better in your relationship with God, with Allah. So then how do I handle that? Well, that's simple. Here's the, here's the key. Number one cure for being deluded by looking at your own progress, the number one cure is to look above you. What do I mean by look above you? Number one. Look to Allah, which means know that wherever you're at in life, it's only because Allah brought you there. How many of us in this room have committed sins that, wallahi, if the people around us knew the sin we committed, they wouldn't even let us in the masjid? Let alone pray with us, pray behind us, all that. Like, yo, know yourself and know that Allah put you where you're at. That's the first thing you have to do. So wherever position, like financially, economically, spiritually, you've reached a position, as long as you constantly look at Allah and say, Ya Allah, this is your gift upon me, you're good to go, you're fine. So look above you by looking at Allah, realizing that it all came from Allah. Number two cure, number two cure, and this is what the Sahaba taught us, it's so important. Undur, this is so important. Undur ila man fawqaka. Look at people that have gone above you in that field, not below you. So spiritually, are we comparing ourselves that people are, that are spiritually at a lower like practicing level than us? No. But rather, when it comes to spiritual, I'm looking at people that are higher than me so that I can keep aspiring to be better and aspiring to be great. And in fact, the Prophet taught the opposite when it comes to dunya. By dunya, our worldly possessions. Because for dunya, you're supposed to be content. So the Prophet said, well, for that, you have to stop looking at people above you and look at people below you because the moment you look at people below you, you're going to be like, man, I'm good. I'm good. And so this is something our, I think it's important for us to take responsibility for our spiritual development. And what I mean by that is right now we just, we just like talked about two different perspectives of looking at people. And what I explained is that you yourself have to know where you need to be, and because you know where you need to be, you need to know where to look and how to get there. What do I mean? The hadith we just said, when it comes to deen, which way do you look? People above you or below you? Below you. Above you. When it comes to dunya, where do you look? Below you. So now you as a responsible, mature Muslim, you have to embody that and know how to employ that knowledge now for you. So you walk out of this masjid, you walk out of qalam, and now you're looking around in the parking lot, and now... You're going to look down. Like, man, I got a whip, alhamdulillah. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm good, alhamdulillah. But then you're in another situation and you start to feel really good. Like, oh, my iman is on point. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. Well, now you're supposed to be looking at people spiritually above you. But that's you taking ownership of your own spiritual development. 
taking the knowledge that is imparted and now you looking where you need to look. And so that's the first advice. Um, look at Allah, meaning remember where the blessing came from. Number two, don't look at people who have uh, accomplished less spiritually for, than you. Look who have accomplished more. I got goals. I got to reach that. And there's one more really good advice to stop you from being self-deluded about your own spiritual progress. Don't surround yourself with yes-men. Don't surround yourself with yes-men. You guys, is the yes-men like, oh, you're great. You're awesome. Oh, my God. Right? You prayed two prayers. Oh, that's a, yo, wali Allah. <laughs> Friend of Allah, yo. Come on, yo, you on point. You up there. No. Surround yourself with people that are going to be like, yo, come on. You could do better. Come on, yo, we're going to do it together. Now, again, don't get me wrong. You need people that will help encourage you when you start to really look down on yourself. But generally speaking, Matt, like I have a friend and I always talk about him, man. The moment I call him, he's like, yo, shake. He ain't he, no, just a regular dude. I call him like, yo, shake, you slacking, man. I'm like, yeah, you're right, bro. You're right. I was asking him something just two days ago. He's like, what's your intention? I was like, dang, yeah, you're right. Bro. There's no yes, man. Yes, shake, shake this day, shake that. He's like, no, nah, no. Nah. Shake is funny, though. I know you. Let's keep it, bring it down. So you need people that will bring you down and be like, yo, keep it real with you about where you're at spiritually. Someone that will really call me out for my lack of spiritual progression. Not people that will just keep telling me what I want to hear. So surround yourself with those people that either, now here's the key. Who are those people that tell you what you need to hear, not want to hear? There's only two types of people. They either really love you or hate your guts. The people that don't like you, they will tell you truth sometimes about you. And Imam Ghazali, he says, if you don't have a sheikh, like, like if you don't have a sheikh that you could go to, one of the mechanisms you can use is really close friends and really bad enemies. Because not everything they say is true, but some of it is. And if you take it, and then, and then say, okay, let me, is this something I can fix? Then you'll find benefit in that. So this was his advice. What did he say? Be careful of the self-delusion. Be careful of deluding yourself by constantly looking at your status. You know, when uh, the prophet came to Medina, there was a man, his name was Abdullah bin Ubay bin Sulul. He was the, he's called the leader of the Munafiqeen. And for the, his whole life, he went against the prophet, Sallallahu I mean, whole life. Did everything he could to go against the prophet, Sallallahu do you know what, what was the main reason? Why was he such a staunch enemy against the Prophet ﷺ? When the Prophet ﷺ came to Medina, they had just elected him as the governor of Medina. And now, so he's like, this is my spot. I'm running this show. Not no more. Prophet ﷺ comes in. We're like, He's sitting in the corner salty. Well, kind of, right? He's sitting in the sort of corner salty. The point is he saw his position, and now that stopped him from being able to accept the truth. And that brings me to the next advice of Imam. He says, be careful of tasfihil haq nas. Be careful of rejecting the truth by looking down on people. Now, I shared a narration at the beginning of today's session where um, someone asked the Prophet ﷺ about arrogance. 
Someone asked the Prophet about arrogance. Likes jays, likes good clothes. And the Prophet said, no, looking nice, looking, looking amazing is not arrogance. Here's the key for arrogance. Now, you have to understand that kibber is considered the mother of all sicknesses of the heart. Kibber, arrogance, that's that thing that Iblis had in his heart. He's, I, I'm better than people around me. The Prophet said to this man, what? No, arrogance is defined by two things. And all of us can check ourselves with this right now. Number one, batrul haq, rejection of what's right. And number two, ghamtan nas, looking down on people. They're very inter, they're interlocked, they're very interconnected. What that means is there, there are times when someone is spitting the truth to you, but you're not accepting it because of who it's coming from. But it's truth, it's haq. Now, Come on, we teach people, yo, emotional intelligence, be smart, deliver the message the right way, whatever. They need to sit in the halakha and learn how to talk to people. All of that is true. They need to learn how to give that message. That's all true. But your responsibility, what's your responsibility when the haq is presented to you? To give this person a lesson on how to spit the truth? Uh-uh. Your position at that point, let me give an example. The Prophet ﷺ after Hudaybiyah, when now there was like peace in, uh, with Medina and Mecca, the Prophet ﷺ started to send letters to these leaders around the world. And one of the letters he sent a letter to, one of the kings he sent a letter to was the Persian, the Persian king. He wrote a letter, the Prophet did, ﷺ. When he wrote the letter, at the top of the letter he wrote, Min Muhammad ﷺ, Rasulullah, Ila Kusrus, the king of Persia, this, that, and the third. The moment he opened the letter and he read the first line, he took the letter and he ripped it up. Do you know why he ripped it up? He said, I'm not going to read this letter. He put his name above my name and nobody's name could be above my name. What I'm trying to highlight here is that it is only the arrogance in his heart that prevented him from accepting that truth when it came to him. I'm not going to even read any further. And so this is what he's teaching us. He's saying, be careful of, of rejecting truth and looking down upon people. You walk into the masjid, you walk into anywhere, your default is these people are closer to Allah than me. One of the scholars, and I always share this because it's a practical lesson. So one of the students, he asked his teacher, he said, Sheikh, how do you literally do this? How do I literally walk into a place and truly think that these people are better than me in their relationship with God? He said, it's very simple. If they're younger than you, they haven't disobeyed Allah as much as you. If they're older than you, what are you going to think? What do you think? Someone's older than you. They worshiped Allah more than me. They worshiped Allah more than me. Uh, what else did he say? Younger than you, older than you. Same age as you. Exactly. You know yaqeen for sure, your reality, but whatever you think you know about that person is speculative. How are you going to take speculative over what you know for sure? Even other scholars went further. He's like, what if I'm in front of a person that's not even Muslim? At least I know Allah. Uh-uh. You know the cure for that? You don't know how you're going to end your life. And you don't know how that person is going to end their life. Yeah, right now, in this one short moment, this, snip, this one snapshot of your life, you're in this position. How do you know that's how you're going to end your life, though? So the point being is no matter what gathering you're in, 
if you focus on the wrongs that you've done in your relationship to Allah and how you can become better, then it stops that, that arrogance right there. It stops that arrogance right in its tracks. And that's what we need. We need to be careful of that arrogance because it will stop you from learning. It will stop you from gaining more knowledge. The ones who learn the most are the ones who come most eager to learn because they're humble inside. And I always say that the moment you have humility, Allah will lift you up. And the moment you have arrogance, Allah will just bring you straight down and bring you to your reality. So may Allah protect us from that. He says, فَإِنَّهُ سُمٌ قَاتِلٌ This is a, a, a sum, a poison, a deadly poison. So be careful of it. Beware of it. Next one. And this is heavy in our times. وَاَعْتَزِلْ خَوْفَ سُقُوتِ مِنْ أَعْيُنِ النَّاسِ بِخَوْفِ مَقْتِ اللَّهِ لَكَ He says, and beware of remove yourself from the fear of it's heavy it's so hard to even talk about remove from yourself the fear of dropping in the sight of people okay this is heavy for us what this means is we become so fixated on people's opinions of us that there becomes nothing more shameful or hurtful or scary than just people speaking ill about us. A post about us, an opinion about us, whatever it may be. Our primary, primary fear, like our nightmare that we would wake up in sweating from is that people, I drop in the sight of people. I drop in the sight of people. This is dangerous. Why is this so dangerous? Because when your primary fear is people, then that motivates you. That's the thing that dictates what you say, what you don't say, what you do, what you don't do. Because that's what you're fearful of. And here's the deal. Sometimes that doesn't contradict. What people like doesn't contradict what God likes. But what about the times when what people like does go against what Allah likes? So who do you give preference to? Well, if you're feel fearful of the people, then your whole thing is, I don't care what happens, but I can't drop in the sight of people. Yo, if we look at the prophets, one of the, the common themes of every prophet is they were, they were taught how to stop caring what people thought about them. The prophet said when the message first came, okay, let me give an example. When the message first came to the prophet, he went to Khadijah, right? And he's like, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's happening. So she takes him to who? Does anyone remember? Waraka, her uncle. She takes him to her uncle. And her, her, her uncle was very studied, learned. He was a sheikh before the shuyukh, right? He knew all the stuff from the old scriptures. So he's like, okay, young man, tell me what you saw. And he's like, all right, I saw this thing. It looked like, I don't know what it looked like, but it said these words to me, this and that. And, and Waraka is sitting there holding his beard, and he's like, oh, my God. I'm sitting in front of a prophet. Like, this ain't no joke. I'm sitting in front of the prophet that I've been reading in my books was coming. I'm sitting in front of the final prophet. So then he looks at him, and he says these words. He's like, man, I wish I was young so that I could be here and help you when the people kick you out of this city. The prophet, sallam, he says, they're, they're going to kick me out? Like, 
They loved me. The Prophet was loved by all of Medina, Mecca. So the first thing he said when the, he said that, he was like, me? They're going to lose respect for me. All these people love me. I'm Sadiq. I'm Amin. I, I've gained everyone's respect. And then Waraka said these words, and these needs to resonate for us. Because as we get, as life gets more complicated, standing on the truth becomes harder. And the more, the sooner you can become thick-skinned, the sooner you can become thick-skinned and not care so much what people say, the easier it is to choose what's the truth when you're placed in a tough situation. So Waraka then says to him, he goes, yeah, young man, no prophet came with a message except that their people rejected them and pushed them away. So just be ready. So just be ready. So my lesson, my lesson from this is to learn how to, now let's, what's the balance of it? What's the balance? Because aren't there hadith that say, oh, when a person dies, if there are like 40 people that speak good about this people, this person is in Jannah, and uh, if you don't have any shame, do, it, do whatever you want to do. So what's the balance? Here's the balance. The balance is that when I'm in front of people that share my values, this is the key, this is the hard one. When I'm in front of people that share my values, Wallahi, I care what y'all think about me. Why? Because I fear you? No. Because me and you share the same value. What value? Allah. So the fact that you're upset with my action tells me, yo, Mikael, you must be doing something wrong. Let me, let me give an example. Can you, anyone, y'all play football? Play football? No. Soccer, man. Soccer, whatever. <laughs> whatever. So, yo, all right, if you play football, right? Fumbling the ball, I would just forgive the example, okay? If you fumble the ball, that's not a good thing, okay? Fumbling the ball is a bad thing, all right? I know all, all, everyone knows all this, everything about football, but let me just explain. If a person fumbles the ball, they're not going to go to their teammates and be like, yeah, well, I don't care what you think about me. You know what I'm saying? If someone is shooting a basketball and they're shooting air balls all day, taking shots from half court shooting air balls, and the team's like, yo, what are you doing? He ain't going to be like, yo. I don't fear you, I fear God. I don't care if I drop in the sight of Allah. You're going to be like, yo, bro, get off the team. Get off the team. Why? Because when you're on the team, you share the values that we're trying to win the game. And, 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 and so that necessitates that you do care what we think because we, we, we go on towards the same goal. So the balance that we have to have here is when we are criticized by people who don't know the facts, or don't share our same values, then I'm like, Meshi, I'm good. I'm good, yo. But when it's my people, my boys, my sisters, and they're like, yo, shake. My friend, I call him, like, yo, I was thinking this. He's like, yo, what you talking about? That's where I value that. You know what I'm trying to say? So what he says, what he's saying here is very important for us because it, it leads to our spiritual maturity, which is when there are people around us who don't share our values, then I have to get to the point where I'm thick-skinned and I'm like, yo, I got to do what I got to do because that's what pleases Allah. Because there will come a moment where I'm going to have to say something that's not popular, but that will please Allah. And when that moment comes, will I do it or won't I do it? Depends on how much I'm scared of people. And you can't please everyone all the time. So how do you do that? He says, How do you do this? 
Imam Ghazali says it's very easy. Stop valuing their, their praise. Realize that the people can't give you anything except that Allah wants to give it to you. And you, the people can't take anything from you except that Allah wants to take it from you. I know you hear that a lot, but once it comes truly embedded in the heart, then you no longer, I'm not worried what you think. It doesn't matter anymore. It matters what Allah thinks. And so this is what he says. He says, So remove yourself from fear of dropping in the sight of people. By, through your fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Like that is my dominating fear over everything else. And remove yourself of fear of poverty. Remove yourself from fear of poverty. By remembering how close your time is. It's very heavy advice. So the Quran teaches us that shaitan is going to keep warning you and telling you that, oh, you're going to be poor, you're not going to have resources, you're not going to have resources, you need to do this, you need to do that. He says, how do you solve that fear? How do you get that fear out? By remembering the closeness and the shortness of life. I don't know how long I'm here for. I don't know if I got another week, another 10 years, another 20 years, I don't know. So he says, use that knowledge of how close that time is by to push off that fear of not having enough. And the last advice, the last advice that he gives us, he says, And hide your good deeds as much as you can. Hide your good deeds as much as you can. You know what I miss about the mass days, yo? That vicar, yo. You know what I'm saying? When you're rocking the face mask, man, you're doing thicker the whole time. Right now, you do thicker in front of people. Like, why are you moving your mouth? Bro? What you doing? Coworker Sally, she like, yo, what's up? What you doing? You all right? You know, when you had the mask on, you just, just keep going. What he's teaching us is an important thing. Our actions, as much as possible, you want to cultivate secret deeds that only Allah knows about. Even your spouse, your parents, your brother, your sister, no one knows about them. These are your secret deeds that are going to help you on the day of judgment. Nobody knows about them. Now, you'd be like, wait, aren't we supposed to do some good deeds to inspire people? Yeah, have a few of those. But have a few deeds that nobody knows about except Allah. Why? Because when nobody knows about it, there's no way that there's going to have any side of it not being purely for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Any sign of it being any other motivation. So the key here is always hide some deeds. There are some times where we do it open, right? Because I want to motivate other people or whatever. I'm trying to ignore the people just trying to do a good deed. The beautiful part of our religion is so much of our religion is public too. Like salah is literally in jama'ah. You can't pray at home and be like, yo, I'm hiding my deeds, Habibi. You know what I'm saying? Juma, you're supposed to come out. Yo, I'm hiding. I'm trying to be sincere. No. The, the deen is literally like, no, come and pray in front of people. Hajj. Hajj, like one of the biggest ibadahs. You can't be like, yo, I'm going to hide this joint. No, you got to go out and do it, literally. So we have this religion which is kind of forcing us to be publicly involved. But on the other total side is your deed should be only motivated by the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So how do you do that? You cultivate some sadaqah, some prayers, some dhikr, some whatever it may be, some, some charity that you give that only Allah knows about so that on the day of judgment, 
when all those other deeds are tainted by just a little bit of showing off or something, you have something that you can be like, oh, but I got that one clutch deed for, that nobody knows about. And the, the problem though, now, now here's the hard part with that. The hard part that Imam Ghazali says is to keep it secret. You did it secret at the beginning, right? You were secret while you did the action, but now some years pass and you like, dang, nobody knows about this joint. I can't die with nobody knowing about it. Yes, you can. You want to die with no one knowing about it. You want to have that secret deed. And so there are so many, subhanAllah, so many scholars and so many examples of people from, uh, from our ancestors that they had deeds that nobody knew about and they went to the grave with those deeds. Some of them became revealed after they died because someone found out something or whatever. But many people, man, they go back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with hidden deeds. So what does he say? His exact words are, Akhfi atharaka, hide your effect, hide yourself, mustatha'ta. The reason why I think this is so important at these day and age is because nowadays all of our deeds, a lot of it we're doing really openly. Social media here and there, showing, putting it all out. Have some deeds that are only known between you and the angels, that's it. Only you and the angels know about that deed so that that will be a deed that comes and saves you on the day of judgment. So let's look over what he said one more time, inshallah. His first advice was, receive all the blessings of Allah with understanding. Understanding of what my responsibility is when this blessing comes and understanding that I should show this blessing and understanding that they don't all look the same when they come. And then return the blessing back to Allah with praise and gratitude as much as possible. Then he said, be careful of the delusion of the self that primarily comes by looking at your own progress. Man, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm doing amazing. Uh-uh. Stop looking at yourself. Just keep on moving forward. Stop looking at your progress. Be careful of rejecting truth. Someone spits the truth at you, accept it. Accept it. Take it. Alhamdulillah. Your delivery, we're going to have to talk later. Your delivery wasn't the best, brother, sister, whatever. But the truth, I'm taking it. I, I need that. That's for me. And beware of looking down at anyone. As you look around, realize that I'm the one that needs to become better. All of these people are amazing people. Everyone around me, look around. I can learn something from this person. I can learn something from that person. This child right here over next to me, this child could teach me something. Everyone around me can teach me something. Once you have that mentality, then you elevate yourself. Uh, Abdullah, ibn, Abdullah ibn Abbas ta'ala an, he, when the Sahaba, when the Prophet passed away, he was a young man. And he, he said to his friends, he said, yo, let's go learn from this, like some of the old elder Sahaba because they're still alive. And they were like, yo, why, who's going to come learn knowledge from us, man? We just young dudes. They're like, who are we? So he went on his own. They were like, yo, just go. So he would go and he would sleep in front of the doorstep of Sahaba and they would see him and they'd be like, yo, you're like related to the prophet. You should have knocked on the door. And he'd be like, no, I'm coming to you as knowledge. I should be humble. And he went from to Sahaba, Sahaba, Sahaba. He keeps traveling, traveling, and he's getting all of this knowledge. Years and years pass. And those same friends that were with him they were sitting in his class and they were like, I remember the day you said to us, come, let's learn knowledge. But we didn't take that opportunity. 
But when he sought knowledge, it was his humility. He's, a, he's, he's related to the Prophet But despite that, he humbled himself in front of people to learn that knowledge, and that's how he became who he became. So the concept is to lower the self. And once you lower the self, you'll benefit from anyone around you. I was talking to this person who trains like top level like tennis players, right? Like really, really, really good tennis players, right? And I had to drop them off at the airport. And so like, I love sitting with people who are like experts in their field, right? So you can just like pick their brain and stuff. So I was like, well, how do you choose who to teach? I was like, like skill, they have to be really good. And I, I knew a few tennis terms, so I'm trying to like use those joints, right? So he's like, nah, none of that. I was like, what is it? He's like, teachability. Teachability and hardworking. It's like, what do you mean? He's like, they have to be humble and be able, willing to learn. He's like, if you give me someone who's hardworking and willing to learn, I can make them an Olympic-style uh, tennis player without a shadow of a doubt because they have those qualities within them. And so the same thing is for our dean. It's like you've got to truly, truly lower the self, truly, truly lower and humble the self. And, and once you feel arrogance coming, how do you know arrogance is coming, though? How do you know arrogance is coming? When you feel like you deserve that. You know what I'm trying to say? When you feel, when you walk into a situation, you're like, yo, that's supposed to be me. Right there, that entitlement, right there, that moment that you felt entitled, that was the sign right there of that arrogance right there. The moment you feel that entitlement, you, you need to be like, oh my God, I truly don't even deserve to be here. Like, I was in the streets, a thug, just lost. How do I feel like I deserve this spot? I deserve this. I deserve a parking spot. I don't know, weird stuff. We start to get arrogant over dumb stuff. But the point I'm trying to make is truly know yourself, where you came from, and really truly feel like I don't deserve this honor that people are giving me, this respect, this whatever it may be, and that's humility right there. We're wrapping it up. I'm just going to uh, conclude with this. He says, the next advice he said was, and remove from yourself a fear for what people think about you, a fear of dropping in the sight of people. You know, so, so many times, like, we had situations where there's a brother that's trying to marry a sister, but the brother ain't a right race. You know what the other family would say? What are people going to say? What are people going to say? The only reason we're not marrying these two? Why? Is he a bad person? Is he not a good person? Nope. What are people going to say? That's it. We don't have nothing else on Yom Kiyama for this joint? Like, his application is tight. The only re reason he's rejected is what? What are people going to say? And that's, 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 that's what we're, we're, we're learning here to get out of our hearts. You know, I, I don't recommend this. What I'm about to say, you can't do. How about that? What I'm about to say is actually makru. There was a Moroccan scholar. Moroccans be tripping, by the way, but... <laughs> Anyways, I got, yo, yo, honorary Moroccan, yo, I got good friends that are Moroccan, okay? So this Moroccan scholar from Fez, he was a big sheikh. He used to do something that, wallahi, it's makruh for you to do. He would sit out on the street in Fez and put a bottle of wine near him. But he would be in tattered clothes. And, he'd just, and there would be a bottle of wine sitting over there. Now, scholars say that you can't even do this. You can't make people like, like think bad about you, right? You can't like, I want everyone to have a bad opinion about me, so I'm about to walk into this like bad place. 
No, you can't do it. Please don't take this out of context. Don't leave this halakha saying I said some wax stuff that I didn't say. So, but this scholar was at such a level where he really wanted to like get this fear of people out of him that he would sit in the middle of the street in Fez with a bottle, an empty bottle of wine next to him and just be like laying there like he's a bum so that people could look at him and be like, oh my God. And he didn't do anything. Can you do this? Now, I need a, like a strong response. No. Okay. <laughs> this is, you're not allowed to actually put yourself in blameworthy situations in the religion, okay? I'm giving you an extreme example of someone who did something because he felt like I am so attached to people's praise that I just, I just truly want to. Uh, it's, uh, just imagine, like, you know what I mean? Like, you just in the mall, Galleria. And you're like, you know what? I'm about to bust out two rakats. Allahu Akbar. <laughs> you could do that. You know what I mean? You could do that. Ain't nothing wrong with that. Allahu Akbar. P places people pray. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, that's the tag, right? P places people pray. So you get you and your brother, you're like, yo, we about to do it, yo. And nowadays, people do these, like, these videos that are so cringy. And I'm, I can't even watch them because it's so cringy. Right? But people get used to doing cringy stuff. Yo, pray in the, must in the mall. Yo, Galleria, right near that ice rink joint. Allahu Akbar. Get your boy Isa. He going to call the adhan for us, right? Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. We all start covering up, yo. Start That's, you could do that now. Allahu Akbar, right? But you can't put yourself in a compromising situation so that people assume bad about you. But I'm just going to, sh I was just sharing with you a story that I read about someone who went that extent that he really did wanted to get this sickness out of his heart for caring what people thought about him. And we have it so much more. I'm telling you at the core of so many of us, we fear that more than we fear Allah, man. I, I was thinking this from the beginning. I didn't even want to say those words, but it's a reality. We fear that more than we fear Allah. What will people say about me? What will my name be? And, um, and unfortunately, that will stop you from speaking the truth, too. It will stop you from standing up to the truth. I can't tell you the number of scholars. Ahmed bin Humble, I'll give you one, who died in prison or ostracized from their people because they had to stand up and speak the truth. And if they were scared of the people, they would have just gave in and be like, yeah, okay, I'll say what y'all need me to say. But they didn't. So grow a thick skin, uh, pray in the, you know, pray in the in the galleria, maybe whatever. Do what you got to do, uh, but try to build that ability to not care about what people think about you. I honestly feel this is something that as you grow older, um, it grows, it it becomes better. You know what I mean? Like it's easier to do. You know what I mean? My pops, like he's getting old now, so we walk around places, and he's talking mad loud. <laughs> Anyone have a parent like this? And I'm like, Pops, chill out, yelling. And he's talking about people in front of us. <laughs> Why are they doing that? What's up with that? I'm like, yo, Dad, what are you doing? I don't care. I got to speak the truth. My mother does the same thing. Why you ain't got no mask on? I'm like, Mom, chill out. Some, maybe something with age, you stop worrying about what people think. But we need it for our religion. We need it for our deen. And the quicker we can stop worrying about what people think, the quicker we will make decisions that are based on what Allah loves and what's best for our religion. So 
May Allah take that out of our heart. Uh, may Allah make our primary focus knowing that God is watching. So I'll just, we're ending right now, I promise. Remember, there's eyes on you, right? There's eyes on you. Um, but there's, there's other eyes on you that Allah is watching. And when those eyes become the most important thing watching you, all of the other eyes don't matter. Nothing else matters at that point. So may Allah make us of those people who stop worrying about what people think about us so long that we are on the truth and doing what is best for our relationship with Allah. May Allah allow us to be people who stop worrying and may he take that fear out of our hearts and replace that with a fear of him only. I promise you, I'm going to share one more story. <laughs> there was a letter that the prophet sent to a king of the Roman Empire. And our students, we just studied this. When the letter came, he knew the prophet was the truth. He said it to himself. I know this is the man that truth. We read about this in our scriptures. I knew he was coming. He gathered all of the leaders of the Roman Empire. We're done, I promise, 30 seconds. He gathered all of them together. He locked the door. And he said, I'm about to say something to y'all. I want to see your reaction. He says, I just received a letter, and I know this is a true prophet of God. We all need to follow him. They all went crazy. They ran to the doors trying to get out, but he had already locked the doors. When he saw their reaction, he said, okay, okay, everybody come back. I was just joking. I wanted to see how strong you were in your religion. You passed the test. No, no joke. He sent a letter to the Prophet wasallam. I believe in you, da 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 The Prophet ﷺ said, nah, this man is a liar. He fears losing his kingdom more than he fears losing the akhirah. And I said to the students, don't sleep. Everyone in this room is like, oh, a letter comes from the Prophet of Allah? Oh, I'd give up my kingdom. You won't even quit your job for a ruling on the sharia. So you're talking about giving up a kingdom? Yo, know yourself, man. Don't play yourself. We, we give up the deen for a lot less, yo. We give up the deen for a lot less. This man had a kingdom. He was the emperor. The letter came. He saw the reaction. He's like, I can't give this up. It's all about fear of what people will say. So just conquer that in your heart. Wallah, go to the galleria and pray, yo. It's going to hurt. And do it till it don't hurt no more. Do it till it don't hurt. Have your man next to you too, just to watch out. People be wilding out here, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? Have somebody next to you to keep your, keep your back, whatever. But do it because you know it hurts. It's going to hurt the first time, hurt the second time, hurt the third. After all, you like, I don't even care no more. Allahu Akbar. So that's my advice. Uh, it's a sickness that we all struggle with. And nowadays with social media, it's even more. It's even more. Back in the day, they feared my name getting messed up. Now it's your face. Everybody know your face. Back then, it was just my name. But Allah give us tawfiq. So never fear, er, feel arrogant about ourselves. We see people that have given up the message of Rasul because they fear what people would say about them. So may Allah protect us from that, inshallah. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik. Nashhadu an la ilaha illa ant. Nastaghfir wa atubu ilayk. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifun. Wassalamun alil mursaleen. Walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.